0: Hello everyone, this is Anwesh Prohit and uh, you guys are listening to my audio blogs on Spotify. Do subscribe to my blog. It is filled with interesting articles and stories. Thank you so much. I have been humbly writing articles for a few months now. I believe I write articles to find answers to my own subconscious thoughts and queries. Over the time, I have had a realization about a very fundamental aspect pertaining to my notion, identity and curiosity to question certain themes, theories and ideas that have been evolving since the inception of the cosmic time. Once in a blue moon, I come across certain concepts and ideologies that make me question my own existence as an independent entity. This is one of the few reasons why I strongly believe that we should celebrate the idea of questioning the very essence of human civilization and its history. The focused curiosity to understand the framework of this magnificent and transcendental universe gives us an insight into the inquiry of the origin of flesh and blood. I want to introduce you all to a puzzle that will carry you on a voyage deep into the tempestuous sea of intricate and perplexed process of intellectual questioning. It is a thought experiment that completely baffled me and made me question the very ideology of authenticity and also tried to tremble the very base of my reality. The name denoted to this thought experiment is Ship of Theseus or Theseus Paradox. Theseus is a Greek mythological hero who was regarded as an early ruler of Athens. His most famous adventure was the slaughter of the terrible Minotaur, a half-man, half-bull beast who inhabited and guarded the labyrinth of Gnosis of the Cretan ruler Minos. Theseus came to embody the ideal Athenian throughout the classical period, a man of courage and dignity with powerful actions committed to serve his city as best he could. He was also a passionate promoter of democracy. He was the alleged founder of Athens and is claimed to have won several naval battles and slain numerous beasts. As a matter of pride and respect for their brave hero, the Athenians thought of preserving his mighty naval ship for centuries in order to commemorate Theseus. So, the ship remained floating in the harbour of Athens for a long period of time. As with any preconditioned inevitable theory of demise of objects in this earthly realm, the glorious and radiant ship of Theseus also started to lose its shine after a period of time. The planks started to rot and in order to conserve the beauty and might of the ship, the Athenians started to replace the old planks with brand new timber. One by one, all the planks that decayed were replaced with new planks. Plutarch, an ancient Greek historian, was the first to record this fascinating intellectual exercise. The ship wherein in Theseus and the youth of Athens returned had thirty oars, and was preserved by the Athenians down even to the time of Demetrius Phaleraeus, for they took away the old planks as they decayed, putting in new and stronger timber in their place, insomuch that this ship became a standing example among the philosophers, for the logical question of things that grow, one side holding that the ship remained the same, and the other contending that it was not the same. Plutarch, Vita Thesii, 22-23 The metaphysical concept of identity was questioned in Plutarch's writing. Now, the second part of the paradox was added by philosopher Thomas Hobbes centuries later. He added a new narrative in the form of a question that provoked everyone to view the problem with a different perspective. He questioned, and I quote what would happen if the original planks were gathered up after they were replaced, and used to build a second ship? Now, which one can be identified as the original ship of Theseus? This very ornate and convoluted question has divided the entire base of finding intellectual answers into two varied schools of thought. Equating the very significance of the Theseus paradox with our existence, we can connect the different perceptions that guide our philosophical and theological thought process into a unified theory. An average living entity goes through many changes in the periodic duality that we commonly call a lifetime. There are some who shed their skin and there are others who change their ideologies and thought processes with time. Nevertheless, change is the only real thing that an animal or any living entity experiences in its boastful existence. As we go deeper into questioning the quintessence perception of our reality, We will arrive at a destination in the tormented sea that will induce in us the quality to question which part of our existence is the original us. Can our identity be prejudiced to the present moment that we are existing in, be denoted to the past us, or be attached with the future characteristics that we are going to possess? We can also interrogate and debate what amount of gradual change can we annotate the idea of a complete conversion in the originality of a particular object is. Heraclitus, a Greek philosopher, sought to resolve the conundrum by creating the concept of a river that is replenished by water. Upon those who go into the same rivers, different and again different waters flow, Arius Didymus reported him as saying. Plutarch challenged Heraclitus' argument that you can't jump into the same river twice because it scatters and then comes together again, it approaches and recedes. One major argument in the philosophical literature is that two different meanings of the same are tangled up in the instance of Heraclitus' river things can be qualitatively identical in the sense that they share some qualities. They could be numerically identical in another sense since they are one. According to Aristotle, a thing's what it is is its formal cause, therefore the ship of Theseus is the same ship since the formal cause, or design, does not change through time, even if the substance employed to build it varies. A river, like Heraclitus Paradox, has the same formal cause, even though the material cause, the exact water in it, varies over time, and a person who steps in the river has the same formal cause. They would be qualitatively equal, but not quantitatively. We can also view the paradox from a different point of view, outside of the caged conception of only two schools of thought. In my opinion, the Srimad Bhagavad Gita gives us an insight into this problem by negating the binary subjugation of the either or scenario into a better broader directive. In Chapter 2, Verse 20 of the Srimad Bhagavad Gita, Lord Krishna quotes, The soul is neither born, nor does it ever die. Nor having once existed, does it ever cease to be. The soul is without birth, eternal, immortal, and ageless. It is not destroyed when the body is destroyed. The annihilation of the body is what we name death, yet, the immortal self is untouched by all physical changes. In the Vedas, this notion is frequently stressed. The first law of thermodynamics points towards a similar scientific postulation that puts forward the fact that the energy cannot be created or destroyed, it can only be converted from one form to another. Similarly, the energy of Theseus in the original ship with the help of which he won great battles still exists and will exist for eternity. A similar connection can be drawn with respect to the idea of how the human body changes old garments and puts on new clothes. The concept is broadly described in Chapter 2, Verse 22 of the Srimad Bhagavad Gita. The soul-like energy is never destroyed but changes new material bodies when the old body decays and perishes during death. The essence or the soul of Theseus Bravado that can be termed as an emotion in the form of energy is eternal and ageless and will exist till the end of time. One can say with a hint of personification that it has changed its material body in the form of new planks to sustain its legacy. Furthermore, when a family donates the organs of the deceased to another person in need of the organ, then the acceptor of the organ doesn't identify as the one who is deceased. The identity is constant, it never changes. If we investigate it further, We can also question the idea of cloning and debate whether the clone that is produced asexually can ever identify as the being whose DNA or somatic cells have been used to create it. On a more human behavioristic and sociological basis, we can also question the prospect of varied identities that some people undertake in their lifetime. Which identity should be assumed as the real one when a reckless human being devoid of morals and empathy eliminates his decayed emotions, acts and ideologies and dresses up in a more civilized fashion after accepting spirituality and humanistic ideals? The two schools of thought with respect to identity metaphysics also connects to the life of Shanda Ashoka who annexed territories and massacred people and Dharma Ashoka who went through the gradual process of religious and spiritual transformations and propagated the idea of peace, science and knowledge in his kingdom. Which one is the real Ashoka? The one who killed or the one who propagated peace? The person is the same being, but there are two different identities and thought processes. So, which one is the real ship of Theseus? This article is just a humble approach from my side to understand the certain philosophies that guide us towards the dimension of self discovery. I would like to apologize if I misinterpreted any of the scripture teachings, ideas, or beliefs. I'm looking forward to new debates and theories to challenge the authenticity of my analysis.